Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Well, um, yesterday um, I told you what I was going to do, but this morning I woke up really early, and first thing, the Lord kind of rerouted me a little bit, changed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still touch on and off faith, but I think I've got something that the Lord has is, is told me specifically this morning to talk about. And I like that, don't you? Oh, glory to God. So let's open with a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we just love you, Daddy God. And we thank you that you are so good. You are for us and not against us. You never seek to disqualify us, but to help us to succeed and to, to get and walk as you, Jesus walked. Thank you, Father, that you're always on our side to help us. And so this morning, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your awesome ministry to us and in us and through us. And I appreciate Holy, Holy Ghost. And I ask you to help us this morning that the word that we hear would just go deep into our heart and break any hardness, would go deep like penetrate like a sword and help us, Father God, to rise above everything the devil does and to succeed and to rise above in that place in which you have seated us in Christ. And Lord, I just thank you that we have eyes to see, ears to hear. Our heart is ready to receive your word so that it may bear good fruit. And Father, I just thank you that you help me, Holy Ghost. You help me to minister, to share your word, to speak. I, I ask for divine utterances and I give you Total permission, Holy Ghost, to reroute me, to stop me, to interrupt me, to change anything that I might want to say or do. And I thank you, Holy Ghost, that you will answer questions that are in people's heart before anyone had a, a chance to ask those questions. Father, that's how you do. That's what you do well, Holy Ghost. And we thank you for that. Thank you that you minister to your precious people, Holy Ghost. That's what you want to do. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, it, ha it happened to me all the time that people will come at the end and say, I had that question and I was going to ask you that question. And before you know, you just answer the question during the class. So let's believe for that. Amen. We believe that. I hope we'll have time. Um, um, that's my goal. Amen. To have time for question and answers. Amen. So, but this morning, um, I want to talk about power in the ministry. Amen. How many of you know you have been here for three years or most? How many of you are ministers of the gospel? We are ambassador. We are called to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have been called and endowed with spiritual authority. You remember all through the Bible, Jesus never told us to pray for the sick. He told us to heal the sick. He said, go there, heal the sick. Amen. And so... Jesus, before he left, gave us that spiritual authority. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Amen. And then he delegated that authority over to us. Do you agree? And remember, in John chapter 14, let's go there together. In John chapter 14. Hallelujah. Uh, it's starting in verse 10. 
Jesus said, do you not believe that I, I, Jesus, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own, you know, italic authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Did you see something here? Jesus spoke the word that he heard the, from the Father. And then the Father did the works. There is a connection here I want you to see. The Father was able to do the works when Jesus spoke the word. Amen. But then they said in verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. Amen. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I, Jesus, will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now notice here that Jesus is not talking about petition as far as asking the father for your needs. What is he talking about here? What's the context? Doing the works of Christ, which was exercising authority, healing, raising the dead, casting out demons, you know, etc., etc. You notice here the connection. Jesus said, the same works that I did and I do, you will do also, and even greater works. But notice he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Here he did not say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. No, no, no. He say whatever you ask. And the word, not that, about asking the Father in Jesus' name is found in John chapter 16, verse 23. That's when Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father uh, in my name, he will give it to you so that your joy may be full. That's pray, the prayer of petition, asking the Father for your need. But here, what is he talking about? He's talking about doing the same works of Christ. And he says, whatever you ask. He didn't say the Father. He said, whatever you ask. And the word here, ask, doesn't mean to just ask. It, it, it also means to, to, to require, to demand, to command. Now, of course, you and I know that we don't command the Father. We don't require and, and demand of the Father, but who do we command? Who do we require of? Who do we demand from? Somebody help me. The devil. Here it is. You are given healing, and the devil is trying to hold it back. Authority is really not asking God to give us healing, but it's believing that healing has already been given or whatever else has already been given. And now you require of the devil to let it go. Amen. So here Jesus said, he says, whatever you command, you demand, you require in my name. And he's talking about exercising authority. Then Jesus will implement it. He will reinforce it. You remember what we saw in verse 10. Jesus said, this is how the Father and I, this is how we, we function. I find out the will of the Father. I speak the word of the Father. And then the Father does it. That is exercising authority. 
Jesus had authority from the Father. He found out the will of the Father, spoke out the word of God, spoke out the, the Father's will, and then when he, Jesus exercised authority, he commanded sickness to let go of people. He commanded bread to be multiplied. He, I mean, he exercised authority, and the Father said, now, because this is my will, because he is commanding and demanding and requiring in my name, the Father reinforced that authority. And here Jesus was showing us the same way that the Father and I function in exercising that authority. This is the same way that you and I are going to function. Jesus was talking to the disciple, meaning that when you find out the will of God, you hear you don't speak out on your own authority. You speak out on behalf of that authority and the will of God that has been delegated to you. And when you do that, then Jesus says, now nah, I will do it. You speak, you command, you require, you demand. And then Jesus said, you do that in my name. And then I'm right there behind. I will implement that authority. I will reinforce that authority. So we find out here that you notice that we exercise authority. We do the works of Christ according to the word we have to speak. Our words, you know, are totally linked to our authority and to the works that we have to do in the name of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, and of course, we know God gave us authority, but uh, um, here is the question. Why is it that in the body of Christ, we know we have authority? We know we have the power of the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of us. We know we can command, demand, and require in the name of Jesus. We know that. Can somebody say amen? amen. But why is it that in the body of Christ, we see very little power? We see very little of the works of Christ? I mean, you are, guys are an exception to the rule. Most of people here in Carries, because you've been taught rightly on how to exercise authority. But I want this morning to discuss something about what are some of the things that we can do or that we don't do that will short circuit that authority, that will short circuit that power. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Amen. So let's look at all of that together. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I'm excited about you. And I'm excited about the message this morning. Hallelujah. So let's look at some of the things that short circuit that authority and that power. Because we know we've been given all authority in Jesus' name. Luke 10, 19. Amen. Matthew 18, 18. Say whatever you bind on earth will be loosed, you know, on earth. Whatever you well, will be bound on earth. Whatever. No, I said it wrong. Let me start again. Whatever you bound, bind on earth will be bound on will be bound on, uh, on he in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. heaven yeah. Amen. But here is it. Did you notice something? He says, whatever you bind and loose on earth first. Yeah. That's powerful right there. That I could preach for one hour. Yeah. That's, that's right there. It's a picture of authority. Jesus said, I can only reinforce and do things and loose and bind and permit and, and, and authorize things in the spirit world when you guys first exercise that authority, which is binding and loosing, allowing, permitting, forbidding here on earth. You see the connection? 
Everything that God does is delegated authority to us and anything the Father can do and reinforce and implement, it has because we here on earth are taking our place of authority. The Father cannot, cannot do anything unless we first here bind or loose here on earth. I, that reminds me, you know, uh, a person has been like a real, had a, a real impact, like a spiritual father to me. Uh, I had a, a, a vision, of, uh, had a, 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 an encounter with Jesus one time at the uh, early age of his ministry. And Jesus walked in his room and he came, took a chair, sat by him face to face and started to talk to that man. And started to share things about the ministry and different things. All of a sudden, a demon came and stood and be between them two. And as the little demon came between, a smoke starting to come to the point where that man could not see or hear what Jesus was telling him. And he got so frustrated. You know, he's like, and in his head, he's thinking, you know, he's missing some of the stuff that Jesus is sharing with him. And he, in his head, he's thinking, why isn't Jesus doing anything? Doesn't he know I cannot hear or see? And, 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 and he's like going, trying to hear, and, and he can't. So all of a sudden, he got, you know, so frustrated, he put his foot down, and he said, in Jesus' name, demon, go right now. And that little demon just plopped on the ground and just kind of slowly made his way to the door, you know. And then after all day, Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't miss a beat. He kept on going, you know. You know what I mean? And then at the end of, of that conversation, he said, Lord, please, I mean, I don't want to, I don't mean to show disrespect, but I have a question. Why is it that while you were talking to me and that demon was between us, I could not hear or see you? Why is it you didn't do anything? You know what Jesus told him? He said, unless you had exercised that authority in my name, I could not have enforced it. In another word, unless we first exercise command, demand, require here on earth, God the Father and Jesus here cannot do it, cannot reinforce that authority. It's linked. Remember what Psalm 115 verse 16 says, the heaven, yes, the heaven are the Lord, but the earth is given it to the Son of Man. God did not change his mind. We are still the one here that have been given authority and we've got that legal right to exercise and God will not break his law. He will not go against what he said in place, which is legally man has authority here on earth. And God can only reinforce it in the spirit realm when men first exercise it in the physical realm. Glory to God. Amen. And so we find out that, number one, we've got to exercise our authority. God is not going to do for you what he's commanded you to do. And so, and you and I know so many people, they are asking God, begging God, uh, waiting for God to do something when God really is in heaven waiting for them to do something. Amen. You understand what I mean? And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But that is the first thing that we've got to understand. Amen. But why is it that so many times uh, our authority, our, our power is being short-circuited? Short well, I, I don't pretend to have all the answers to that question. Because as I go, I, you know, I, I learn more. But 
here are three main reasons of why I found that your authority and the power can be, can be interrupted, short-circuited. Amen? The number one is being intimidated by the devil. Intimidation. He is a master at intimidation. Being, and what does it mean to be intimidated by the powers of darkness, by the devil? It's because you see, I have a friend, I like what he says, he said, we've got a big God and we've got a little devil. But the problem is a lot of people see the devil as a big devil and God as a little devil, a little God. Now, why is that? Because they don't really understand their spiritual authority. Yeah. They still are trying to deal with the powers of darkness on a human, physical, earthly level. We try, and here is what is happening. When people are face to face against cancer or against a demon, I have cast a lot of demons in my ministry. But you can see some demons, they can be pretty intimidating. And you know, here is the thing, if you don't see and you don't know your spiritual position, which is a position in the spirit realm, and you continue to, to see what only, you only see is that physical position face to face to the, to the problem or to that demon, then the devil will defeat you all the time. And so that means that we've got to understand anytime we are faced with the enemy, every time you are faced with sickness, a demon, powers of darkness, you've got automatically by face remind yourself of your spiritual position. What is it? Let's look at it together. We know in Colossians 2.15, Colossians 2.15, it says that the devil has been spoiled, he's been defeated, he's been stripped of all power and authority. Let's look at it together. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Over them, over what? The devil and all the demons. All of his army. Amen. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. I'd love to see that. I I'm going to ask for a rewind when I get to heaven. You say that too? I, I, I want to see that. And you know, here Paul uh, uh, made a, a reference to Roman tactics in war. That when a general had been defeated, he would, you know what they would do to him? They would strip him almost naked and they would cut his thumb so he could no longer hold a sword. They would cut his toe, big toes so they could never stand firm in battle. And then they would tie him up and walk him, you know, all through town as a defeated foe, making what they call a spectacle of humiliation in front of the whole, the whole city, in front of the whole people. That's what Paul is referring. That's what the devil went through. In, 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 when Jesus defeated him in hell, he put his foot on his neck and they all saw him, all those demons, all, those, all the powers of hell saw their master stripped of authority, humiliated, defeated, and trampled down. 
I mean, that's what happened. And that's what we've got to remind ourselves of. I love that. In Isaiah chapter 14, in Isaiah chapter 14, it says that the day will come when we get to heaven that we would look down on the devil. You remember that? And he said, is this that that made the nation tremble? Is this the one that just subdued, you know, and, and intimidated us? This is it? We're going to hate ourselves. We're going to cry because we're going to say, look, at I could have just walked in victory. I could have overcome. I could have succeeded. And look, I let that, that just stop me from fulfilling the call of God. Oh, glory to God. And that's what we have to remind. And I would ask you, I would like you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, which I love that book. In chapter 1, you know where I'm going, don't you? In verse 20 through 23. Fred, honey, could you please bring me a chair and put it right here in front? Thank you, honey. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting, yeah, right in the front. In chapter 1, right in, close here. Amen, that's great. In Ephesians 1, verse 20 through 23. It says, he's talking about the exceeding, exceeding greatness of his power towards, and the word towards us, that's the verse 19, towards really means in Greek, in us, to us, through us, I mean all the way through. The power of God working in us, towards us, and through us. And here it says, it's the power in verse 20 which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, not just above, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put, how much? All, all things under his feet, and gave him to be head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So here it is. It says that Christ was raised up and seated at the right hand of the Father. Far and seated. You know what seated means. It means it is finished. Uh, it's a place of rest. Uh, enter the rest. It's done. And he says he was seated at the right hand of the Father, which is a place of power and authority far above all the power of my dominion, principality, the powers of darkness. And he put all things under where? His head? His feet. Where are his feet? That's the lowest part of him. Under his feet. And he gave him to be head over all to the church, which is his body. Now, the feet, are the feet connected to the head or are the feet connected to the body? The feet are part of the body. Who is the body? We are. So what does it mean? That in Christ, when you start seeing yourself in Christ and you look in that, in the spiritual position, you discover that even the smallest little toe of the foot has been in Christ 
far above all the powers of darkness. It doesn't matter how insignificant you think you are in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter who you are or who you're not. It doesn't matter what you do, what you don't do. If you're part of the body, you have been placed in Christ far above all the power, not just not you some Christian that are falling from that place of authority. <laughs> and that's where they get beat up. And we've got to go right back up saying, I, I know, I'm not just down here. I'm not face to face to the devil doing, you know, trying to struggle. No, no, it is finished. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places at the right hand of God. And I'm rough all above. Devil. That is, now you see, when you deal with the forces of evil, that you have by faith. Because if you go by what you see, by what you feel, you'll be intimidated. But you've got to, by faith, that's what faith, faith is believing in something you cannot see, feel, or hear. And when you said, oh, I don't see, I don't feel strong, I don't feel powerful, I don't see anything, it looks like I'm getting beat up, but no, 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 let me get right back up to that place in Christ at the right hand of the Father, far above cancer, far above those demons, far above anything that the devil tries to do. And don't be intimidated, just know it's it. You know, that reminds me of a story about a lady. You know, she'd go to a pastor all the time and say, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. The devil is after me. You know, and the pastor would always try to, you know, stir her back into the right direction. Sister, don't be afraid of the devil. He's been defeated. He's been spoiled. Don't be afraid. Just stand up to him. Resist him. But he got so tired. I mean, every time, every Sunday, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me. The devil is after me. Finally, he said, Lord, please. Apparently, I can't get through to her. So, Holy Ghost, please, do, show her. Show her that the devil has been defeated, that she's, she, she's got that place of authority. So one night that lady had a dream. And in her dream, she, in her dream, she heard like a big you know, roaring of a beast. You know, and in her dream, she's shaking in her boots, you know, and she sees, she hears that sound coming from behind a, a, a bush. And so in her dream, she's tiptoeing, going like that. You know, I don't want them to hear, I'm here. Let's see what's behind the bush. And she's looking behind, peeking, and what does she see? A little mouse with a big megaphone. <laughs> and in her dream, God said, that's the devil is only roaring as a lion, trying to intimidate the people. And if he can succeed in intimidating and passing himself for something he's not, then he'll defeat you. Amen. So number one, that's what we've got to do. When we exercise authority, we've got to do it knowing our spiritual position. We've got to get off of what we see and feel and get on by faith of, oh, I'm way above all of that stuff that the devil is trying to do. Amen. That's the number one. And the number two, that one of the number uh, uh, powerful tools that the devil uses is condemnation. His tool is condemnation. If he can get you to enter into condemnation and feeling unworthy, inadequate, insufficient, but he'll use condemnation, then he'll paralyze you. He'll render you passive. He'll render you powerless. Amen. That is so, we have got to, you know, here it is so easy to do. You know, it's so, it happens 
all, all the time. And it's so easy for us to get slide right back into that mode of feeling I'm not enough. You know, for example, how many of you, you know, you just got mad at your kids, you know, or at your, at your spouse, you lost your temper. You know, you said things you didn't want to say. And then you just shut the door, slam the door, you go in your car, you go to work, you get to work, and then one of your co-workers says, oh man, I don't know, I just got back from the doctor, I got a report that I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. At that moment, you know the truth, you know, man, um, I should pray for him. I should lay hands on him, speak to that cancer. But all of a sudden, what is happening? How dare you? Who do you think you are? Look at you. You just look at you. You call yourself a Christian, huh? And you just look at how you acted like a fool. And now you think you're a big, big shot, and you're going to speak to, to those demons, and they're going to listen to you. Uh-uh, no. And that is that condemnation that come in, and you feel, I should pray for that person, but right now I can't. What is that? It's that spirit of condemnation that is there to paralyze you, to render you passive and powerless. And we are all subject to that from time to time. Amen. That's why the Bible says that we've got to be planted and established in our righteousness. What is our righteousness? Is that legal right that gives us that divine ability to stand before God as if sin had never existed. Feeling with that condemnation, fear, unworthiness, and shame as if we had never, never sinned. That is what righteousness will do. It will, it's a legal right that gives you that divine ability to stand straight before God even when you messed up the most. Amen. Amen. We've, we've got to learn to be established in that righteousness, especially when we mess up. But because if we don't, what will happen? The devil will say, uh-huh, you can pray for that. You won't be able to stand against the powers of, of hell. You won't be able to do the works of Jesus. So we've got to get rid of that condemnation. We know Romans 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen to what, and here is the good news. And you know, you know, we are, God is going to use us, not based on our qualification, on our ability, on what we do. It's based on who he is. Yes. And that, listen to that verse. It's pretty powerful. 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, uh, we are called with a holy calling, not according to works, but grace. All of us are called to a holy calling which is walking, being a spit image of Christ, amen, acting like Christ, walk, walking like Christ, doing the works of Christ. That's our holy calling. But it's not based according to our works and behavior, amen, how long we've prayed or fasted. Don't take me wrong, it's good to pray and fast, but our motivation has to be correct, amen. But it's based on his goodness, on his desire to use us. Amen. Because he wants to heal the sick more than you do. He wants to see the devil humiliated more than you do. He wants to see his wisdom displayed on the earth more than you do. Oh, glory to God. And so, um, 
We've got to know that. Now listen to this. This is pretty powerful. In order to be able to get rid of that, uh, 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 of that condemnation, this is why the God told us and gave us a spiritual armor. Remember what Ephesians chapter 6 says. In Ephesians, let's go there together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, 13 and 14. Oh, I hope you have, you're ready to shout. Yes, I, am. I know you are. <laughs> I might join you. Yes. In verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand uh, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. That's why it's so important to walk in truth. Yes. It makes you stand. Amen. Uh, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does a breastplate? What in, 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 now that's a spiritual, that's an armor. Yes. And Paul is referring it to the Roman armor that they had to wear. What does a breastplate do? Protect the vital organs, the heart. And here it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Because you see, when condemnation comes to your heart, when those feelings of worthiness, unworthiness, and fear, and shame, and all that comes to your heart to paralyze you, to render you passive and powerless, that's when you said you put on, you keep always that breastplate of righteousness, knowing who you are in Christ. And you, you drive out by faith those feelings of condemnation. But look with me if you don't mind. In, in, in oh, glory to God, in Exodus 28. In Exodus 28. Mm -mm -mm. Exodus 28. In verse 15. Remember, under Moses' covenant, the people were under the law, right? And only the priest was able to appear before God once a year. Right? And in order to appear before God, they had to wear a, 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 a garment. They had to wear like a uniform with the ephod and the, the linen clothes. And, the, you know, they had a whole stuff they had to, to put on before they could. But look at what the priest had to wear in, in, to go under the law before God. In, it said, you shall make the breastplate of Judgment. The priest under the law was not wearing a breastplate of righteousness. They were wearing a breastplate of judgment because sin was always constantly before them. They constantly had to have that sense, that consciousness of sin, of condemnation, of I cannot be righteous. Because I'm a sin. No, they constantly had that reminder of their sin. And they were always appearing before God with that consciousness, with that awareness that they were condemned and guilty. That was under the law. But what do we wear now in Christ? A breastplate of righteousness to protect us from all feeling of condemnation, judgment, unworthiness, shame, and fear. And we've got to keep that, that armor on. Because that is the tactic, one of the tactics, number one of the devil. If he, to stop you from doing the works of Christ, he will use uh, a condemnation. But uh, he's, so, he's so subtle. He's so, um, 
all conniving. He knows how to do it. He's not going to come with a big, you know, I'm condemning you. He's going to do it. And he always does it, passing himself for, from, by, from somebody else. Look at that with me, if you don't mind. Remember 1 Peter chapter 8? Verse 8 says, say, be vigilant, be watchful. For the enemy, the devil, roars as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Number one, we find that he cannot devour just anybody. He's looking for somebody that is looking for an open door. He's looking for an entrance so that he can devour somebody. But how does he do? He roars as a lion. Go with me if you don't mind. Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. In verse 12. It says, The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion. The king's wrath and the king's judgment is like the roaring of a lion. Now put the two together. What does it mean? It means when, who is the king? Who is the king? Jesus, God, the Father and the Holy Ghost are supreme, are king, and Jesus is the king of kings. So he says, the wrath, the judgment of a king sounds like the, the roaring of the lion. Now why did Peter say when the devil comes seeking to devour you, he passes himself with a roaring of a lion? What does it mean? It means that he brings condemnation, judgment upon you, but he tries to make you think it's God. Woo, that's good. That's good. Come on now. You and I, you and I, are, we feel powerless. We are passive. The moment we think we are unworthy, we are inadequate, we are condemned, thinking it comes from the Father. And it doesn't matter how much we know it in our head, in our heart, we are like, man, look what makes God. We've got to fight against it. We've got to resist it. But once we know there is no condemnation that comes from the Father, that feeling of unworthiness and shame and, 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 and condemnation, it's like the roaring of the lion. It's like, come here, brother. Come here, brother. Glory to God. It's like, have you ever seen? Go right here. You know, it's like three people walking together. And all of a sudden, I'll go like this. <laughs> what will you do? You'll turn to him and say, why did you do that? It's him. I saw him. It's him. That's exactly what the devil does. Thank you, guys. It will bring condemnation to you in a way where you are tempted to think that's the father. And that's why in all you become passive and paralyzed because you said, ah, if the Father is not approving of me right now, how dare could I lay hands on that person? How dare could I command that devil to go? So that, you know, he is so conniving. He is so, you know, he knows how. That's, he's a master at deceiving. Master, the father of lies. And he knows how to pass himself for, for somebody else. Oh, let it be known. There is now no condemnation whatsoever that will ever come to you from the Father. Ever, ever, ever. 
Glory to God. So we saw that two of the reasons why people are passive and that, they, that, that they, uh, uh, their authority is not working, that they are not able to exercise that authority that is being short-circuited, we saw number one, intimidation. Number two, that, to, that, that condemnation. Amen. And then number three, one thing the devil will do, he will get you to walk by sight instead of walking by faith. You and I know the devil, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, is called the, the God of this world. What does it mean? The God or the ruler, I mean, in, in, in Peter, in John, it says that the, the, the whole world lay under the sway of the evil one. Jesus himself called the devil the ruler of this age. First, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he was the God little g of this world. That means that the devil knows exactly how to function. In, I mean, he's had thousands of years to know how to function in this world. And he knows exactly, uh, hallelujah, he knows exactly how to, to uh, um, how can I say that? He, he knows exactly how to get you to function. He's conditioned you. He's, 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 he's trained you very well from the time you were a kid on how to function in this world. Amen? And so, in order to exercise our authority, we have got to learn to exercise our authority by faith. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7, God is commanding us to walk by faith and not by sight. By what? By the five senses. By what you see, feel, hear, and sense. And if the devil can get you out of faith into the sense realm, he can defeat you every time. Every, why? Because he's a master in this world. He knows how to function. He's the ruler of this world. And he will dominate you as the ruler and God of this world. He, not, he has power he do, to dominate you in this realm. But that's why you've got to get out of this sense realm back into faith. We've got to learn to exercise authority by faith. Let me tell you how I learned this lesson. Let me tell you how I learned this lesson. Um, I was in India doing a crusade. And there were probably, golly, thousands of people. And all of it, they brought, a, I was young. I mean, it was 1994. I'm still young, but I was younger. In 1994. And um, they brought that woman who had been worshipping the god of the, the snake. I mean, they worship everything that moves in India, right? There are millions of god. And so she had, from very early age, worshipped the idol, the snake idol. And... You become like what you behold. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3, has beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Well, she was beholding the image of a snake and she became transformed into the same image to the point where she was so possessed that her body would swirl, her head would turn, her tongue would come out of her mouth and a sound, a hissing sound like a snake would come out of her throat. And here she is in front. You're talking about being intimidated? It's intimidating. And I was young. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, my God. But I, I mustered myself. I said, well, I know I've got authority. I know I've got authority. So I spoke to her. I said, in the name of Jesus, demon, come out of her. And then I waited. What happened? Nothing. Nothing. 
So I went, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. What happened? Nothing. And that went on for a good 10 minutes. And the more I commanded the devil to get out, the more she, the worse it got and the worse I got. My voice started to go higher and higher. My arms started, I mean, I would go and shake her, tried everything I knew, shake her, you know, do everything I, and command you in Jesus' name. And I went on for like 10 minutes until I heard the still small voice of the spirit that said, how many times are you going to cast that demon out of her? Lord, when I see her free. And he said, you are walking by sight and not by faith. And then in a more authoritative voice, I heard him say, don't you know that one word in my name is enough? Do you know that the Bible said that Jesus cast demon with the finger of God? He didn't use his arm. He didn't use his hand. He used the flinking of the finger. The Bible says he cast that demon with a word. So at that moment, I knew I was like, okay, I'm walking by sight and not by faith. So I, 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 I saw it at that moment. I went back to the woman. I said, now, nah, you know, I said, devil, look at me in the eyes. You know that you can tell somebody is demon-possessed when they refuse to look at you in the eye. Their eyes will go in every They refuse to look at you straight. And I said, look at me in, in my eyes in Jesus' name. So she kind of, I said, look at me. I said, now you understand that I know. So I'm going to tell you one more time, come out of her in Jesus' name. Then what did I do? I left her there, and I went to the next person to the next person, to the, and then everything in me was wanting to go. <laughs> everything in me wanted to see. We are so dominated by what we see and feel. Everything in me was wanting to see. I want to see what's going on, but I refuse. I said, no, don't walk by sight, walk by faith. Faith says, I speak one word in the name of Jesus, and you've got to go. And so I did that. And left her alone. By the time, I mean, there were hundreds of people. By the time I get to the end of the line, I kind of forgot about her. Well, the, I kind of, after that, I said, I wonder what happened to that woman. Well, the next day, I'm on the stage there doing praise and worship. And I look and I see right there that woman on the front worshiping God, looking like an angel, totally free. There the Lord taught me a lesson. You see, if you ever go back into the sense realm when you exercise authority, the devil will always defeat you. You've got to stay in the faith realm, which is, I believe when I speak, it is done, even if I don't see or feel anything. And I can tell you, wherever I've been, whether, I mean, I have cast a quite a few demons, and every time, I, that is where I stand. I know my, sp my spiritual authority, my position in Christ, and when I know, when I tell you one time in Jesus' name, I don't have to wrestle with you, devil. In one, one word, you got to go, and that's where I stand. Here is another example. One time, how much time do I have? Three minutes? Good, just enough. Another time, I was, um, we were back home, and um, we got a phone call from one of the young ladies in our church. Um, her mother was in, uh, in, in emergency care. She had all kind of tube attached to her. She was to the point of death. All of her organs had stopped working. And um, they called her really, the daughter called us really so that we could pray for her to really her last, you know, prayer to make sure that her mother, 
you know, would go to heaven. So my husband, Fred, and I went to the hospital, and I mean, she was a picture of death. Every tube attached to her, you know, uh, she had everything, breather in her mouth. So we went to her, got her hand, and we talked to, you know, slowly to our ears and said, you know, do you know Jesus? We kind of led her in the prayer, prayed for her. And all of a sudden, out of, I don't know where, deep down inside, I started to speak out. And I started to say, in the name of Jesus, heart, I command you to function. Liver, I command you to work. Body, I command you. I mean, I started to talk to every organ in her body, commanded her body to be well and to be whole. And then all of a sudden, I just stopped. And I kind of shocked myself. I'm like, where did that come from? It came right there from my spirit. But you see, I look, what was different? Nothing was different. She looked as dead as before. And so in my head, I'm thinking, nothing is happening. It's not working. But I knew enough that to keep my mouth shut. Because you know, you lose, you give permission, and you stop things with your mouth. It's not just in prayer. Authority is exercised all through the day through every word you speak. Come on now. And so I kept my mouth shut. And, and, and Fred and I went back home, you know, and, and, and my, my head, my, my th- head is thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. A day or two later, I think it was the next day, we got a phone call and the daughter says, Audrey, what did you do to my mother? I'm thinking, oh no, what happened? <laughs> you know how we expect sometimes we, and I, and I say, oh, what happened? She said, my mother is sitting in bed, eating lunch. And the doctor don't, can't understand what happened. All of her organs started to function again. She's, they did all kind of tests. She's totally, they're sending her back home. Amen. Amen. Now here is something else, and I'll close this session with this, is that she went back home, totally healed. God had done a miracle right there. But it was probably four to five weeks later, she died. You know, that's exactly what Jesus told the blind man you know, and, and, and he said, after he healed that blind man that he took out of Bethsaida, you remember, he said, don't go back to Bethsaida. Don't talk to anybody in Bethsaida. Here, that woman got, uh, received a miracle, supernaturally got uh, healed, taken out of the jaws of death. But she went back into an atmosphere of unbelief, of doubt, and probably her own mouth spoke death over herself. Do you know what I mean? So we exercise authority by faith. Don't go into based on what you see or what you feel. Stay in faith knowing I speak, it's got to go. I'm exercising that authority. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I know and what I believe. Amen. Hallelujah. For more information on Gotel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.